You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Ordinary. We're so glad you're here with us today. And I have my good friend, Kyle Van Pelt, with us. Kyle is the CEO of MileMarker, one of the most exciting companies in all of the wealth tech fintech space right now. We are going to tell you all about that today. But more importantly to Kyle, he's also the husband to his wonderful wife, Lydia, for 10 years now, and they have four children. And, you know, I loved when I asked Kyle, how do you want to be introduced? I loved his response. He said, you know, I used to want to be on the cover of Forbes, but now I just really want to build the Van Pelt family into a great American family. And I absolutely love that, Kyle. I think it just speaks to the kind of guy that you are, you know, and our listeners are used to hearing people like this because I just have some really cool people on this show. That's why they listen. I promise it's not because of me. (laughs) So, uh, man, we are so glad to have you here today. And we're going to talk about Mile Marker. And, you know, as the CEO of Mile Marker, I look at it as such a great responsibility. You're at the helm of one of the most important fintech, wealth tech platforms that's coming to the world right now. And it's really there to solve the tech integration problem for advisors. And so I definitely want to spend some time talking about that because there's so much to unpack there. Our listeners know I come from the wealth management space and we have a lot of firm owners that do tune into the show here. So we'll speak to some of those things. But, you know, you didn't start out as CEO of a really incredible and dynamic company. So tell us a little bit about your journey and what brought you to this role. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, Tommy, thanks for having me. Uh, It's an honor to be able to join the show, uh, especially like you said, you've had some really esteemed guests here. So it's a privilege for me to be able to be a part of it. Just like my career to this part has been a privilege and I've felt very lucky to be on the journey I was on, but it hasn't always been easy. I've kind of failed my way to where I'm at, but I've used all of the learnings from a lot of those failures to grow and to learn as much as possible and to be able to be in the the position I'm in. So, you know, the Cliff Notes version, I actually started my career in the professional sports arena. So I started by selling tickets for the New Orleans Hornets, now the New Orleans Pelicans basketball team, mainly because I had washed out as a really competitive baseball player. And I had never thought about what my career was going to look like after I got done playing baseball. I had always been successful, had a ton of success there. And, uh, you know, despite my dad's best efforts of telling me to think about life after baseball, I didn't listen to him. So when baseball was over, I kind of said, well, if I can't play anymore, I'm going to go work in sports because all I ever knew was sports. Kyle, did you play in college? So I started to play in college my freshman year. So I went to Liberty University and uh, the coach that brought me on was then let go and replaced with a coach who had already told me I would never play for his program. So it was just a a really uh, kind of a, a way that I was learning baseball was done for me, you know, so it was a fun time, but but time to hang it up and, and start focusing on my life. But funny enough, that's right after that is when I met my wife and uh, everything kind of started shifting into into that part of my life. And what position did you play? I was a catcher. So and I caught some guys who got drafted in the first round and played with some really, really great baseball players. And it was a fun time in my life. That's incredible. Yeah, so, man. you know, you finish up at Liberty, you've met your incredible wife by this point. What happens next? So I moved to New Orleans. 
I, you know, join the sales team over there. I work really, really hard. I'm making, you know, over a hundred cold calls a day trying to figure it out. And I look up one day and I go, these people who are four or five levels ahead of me, what I'm aspiring to try and do, I don't want their lives. I kind of looked into the future and said, what am I paying my dues for? What am I looking at this for? This is not for me. So I ended up leaving and this is how we ended up in Atlanta, Georgia. So I moved here to help start a company. I had gotten really interested in technology. I'd learned a lot about it. So I helped start a company at the ripe age of 23 years old. And um, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I was reading as much as I could, learning as much as I could. That company ended up going underwater and, and failing. But I learned as much as I could there to end up joining Riskalyze. So a lot of folks in this space will know who Riskalyze is. Aaron Klein gave me a shot to come in and run the partnerships team and join them right as their growth trajectory was starting to kick off. And I promised myself, I said, I'm not going to mess this up. So I put my head down and I did you know, anything and everything I could to be successful at Riskalyze in that role there, which is a really fun time. Kyle, that's a great start to the journey. And uh, obviously we have tremendous respect for Riskalyze and what they've been building one of our largest portfolio companies actually for the Mammoth Health and Tech Fund is based right in Marietta, Georgia. So right down the street from where you are. But I have to go back. You actually said a term that this is going to blow our minds, but I realize some of our listeners might not know what you mean by it. And you talked about cold calling. You talked about <laughs> doing over a hundred cold calls per day. And I don't think all of our listeners anymore will actually know what that means. So can you tell them what a code <laughs> call is for all of those listeners that only know how to text and email? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I know I'm not that old, but this is also back when we used to go to an office. So I know all of us work from home and everything now, but I would go to an office, I would sit in a cubicle and, you know, there'd be a phone and, and there was somebody who ran our CRM and they would push a bunch of new leads to my CRM. These people had never heard of us before, but we were on this massive push to get to over 10,000 season ticket holders for the New Orleans Hornets. So I would call anybody who lived within an hour and a half of New Orleans who would come to a game. And a lot of times we'd have, you know, and these would be individuals, Tommy, who who lived out in the bayou, or they would be business owners who who owned laundromats. And I'm calling everybody saying, you know, hi, I'm Kyle Van Pelt from the New Orleans Hornets. You know, we're a basketball team. Have you ever been to a game before? And, you know, you'd hope that somebody would say something like, oh, I've gone with my kid one time. And you would try and get them on the hook to buy some sort of season ticket package or something like that. But to, to really boil it down for everything Tommy's talking about, I would call people who had no idea who I was and within 30 seconds, try to get them interested in buying a ticket package with the Hornets. So Kyle, it sounds like you were actually talking to people on a phone, not just texting people and not just that, but basically you were doing sales all day long. All day long. So the whole the whole goal was get them on the phone to book an appointment. If we could get them to come down to the arena and tour around the arena with us when it's empty and it's just you and you're walking around on the floor and then you would go sit with them in the potential seats that could be their seats at the Hornets game for that season. That was how we would close the deal. So the cold call was all about trying to get them to come on down to the game. And if we had people who were really close, we would actually invite them to a game. We'd bring them to like a luxury suite or something that night. We'd feed them. We'd take care of them 
show them the experience and try and get them to sign on the dotted line right there in the luxury suite. So it was a crazy time, but it was all sales all the time, working from eight in the morning till a lot of times 11 o'clock at night on game nights, just, you know, uh, hustling and grinding and really cutting my teeth. Well, I think it's really important for business leaders to have that time understanding the sales and marketing function of the organization because, you know, it's like uh, if the product is the fire, the sales is the oxygen. Yeah. The sales and the capital. And getting good access to capital a lot of times involves being able to make those calls and press through and and be okay with rejection, all those things. Uh, you know, I've gotten rejected so many times this week, but it doesn't bother me because I know that's just part of the game. And I've also gotten some of the greatest yeses I've ever gotten in my life. I'll tell you one when we're off air here, but it's just been an absolutely tremendous week. But one of the things I think a lot of new people in business fail to recognize is how critical that sales and marketing function is. And so I'm really thankful for the training that I got. I got to cut my teeth in sales in the men's clothing department at Lazarus Department Stores. A little shout out to all my friends in Columbus, Ohio and Indianapolis, Indiana, where I got to work in the Lazarus Department Store, but really learned the whole sales side and working with people and reading body language, all those things that's just so critical. So you join Risk Lies and have an incredible role there. What came after that? Yeah, so I was really fortunate to be able to join the corporate strategy and corporate development team at Black Diamond for a handful of years, which was a, a fantastic experience. I actually really got my hands into the data problems of the industry when I was there because I worked really closely with DST and a lot of SSNC's legacy products, understanding how a lot of really large firms in the space were using data on a day-to-day basis, but also unveiling some of the problems we had there. And then one more stop before mile marker, I was the chief revenue officer at a company called Skyance, which really performs very large Salesforce implementations, digital transformation projects for enterprise firms in our space. So the highlight there is, you know, at Riskalyze, I really got to understand a lot of solo RIAs and, and firms like that. You know, we worked with a bunch of different customers from solo firms to, you know, small to medium sized firms. At Black Diamond, I got to really experience large RIAs, large asset managers firms like that. And then at Skyance, really large enterprise firms. So I've had experience now and I've been really fortunate to see firms of all sizes in this space and see the types of problems that they're experiencing. And the funny thing is the problems are actually very similar no matter how big the firm is, just, you know, depends on the exponential size of the data for that firm. Well, and I think Kyle, you know, bringing together your experience and connectivity with Black Diamond and Judd's experience and connectivity with Orion. Yeah. I mean, that's like the power couple. <laughs> I mean, that's that is incredible. And, and listeners who I'm talking about is Judd Mackerel, one of Kyle's partners and one of the owners there at Mile Marker. And in full disclosure, we always do this for our listeners. I am not an owner at Mile Marker today, but uh, certainly very interested in making a personal investment in Mile Marker. I've let Judd and Kyle know that. Uh, so I suspect maybe by the time you're listening to this episode, I may actually be an owner in Mile Marker. But certainly right now, Judd and Kim Mackerel, who are partners of mine at Mammoth, are also founders and owners at Mile Marker. So we do want to disclose that. But I very much believe that Mile Marker is doing some of the most important work in the entire wealth tech space right now. So I would be honored to have them on the show, even if there weren't any ties. 
So Kyle, you had this opportunity. It sounded like everything else you were doing was really preparing you for this role of taking over as a CEO of, as I continue to say, one of the most important companies in the industry. Mm. And you've been on the job for how many weeks now? Let's see. So I started March 1st. So we're a little over two months into it, you know, and I feel like I'm getting my arms around the business and having a great time. Well, you hit the ground running fast. I know you're traveling like crazy. And, you know, some of our listeners have always thought, I wonder what it'd like to be step in as CEO of a company. Yeah. I've always heard people say, oh, now I get to do what I want. And I'm like, uh, no, now you get to spend the next several months just listening because we got to get our arms around it before we can go lead. And uh, But you've done a tremendous job of that. And so, Kyle, pushing into the most important things we want to talk about today, you know, this idea of the integration problem for advisors, tell our listeners more about that. And if you will, put on the lens of some of our listeners, many of our listeners are actually coming from that wealth management space, but we have a lot of listeners that are not. We have a lot of listeners that are founders or business people or investors. And so outline this tech integration problem that advisory firms are experiencing. Help our listeners understand what we mean by that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there are a ton of large, very successful advisory practices out there who are really, really good at what they do. And they have acquired a handful of pieces of technology that all with the promise of making their business more efficient. But the challenge is that all of these point solutions are not able to talk to each other the way that they want. And also what that compounds is every financial advisor at the end of the day, their business is how well they serve their clients. So when your technology is not talking to itself the way that you need it to, these firms cannot accurately represent themselves the way that they want to, to clients and to prospective clients, ultimately because they are not in control of their own data journey. So what MileMarker does is it gives these clients their own independent cloud where all of their partners, their tech partners' data can flow into it. And then these advisors and these firms can create and control whatever experiences they want to, to be able to best reflect themselves and their brands out to the marketplace. It sounds like what you're talking about, at least as part of the current solution, is that firms would have their own APIs. Yeah. So the whole idea here is helping these large advisory firms flip this integration idea on its head. So right now, what a typical firm has to do is go to one of their core partners. I was at Black Diamond, right? This happened all the time or when I was at Riskalyze. Hey, Riskalyze, we work with both you and Black Diamond and we want these two systems to talk to each other this way. Can you guys integrate the software tools like this? And you know, realistically, we would say, hey, that's a great idea, but really you're the only firm asking for that. And we can't use our resources to create that specific way of doing it. So now with MileMarker, what firms can do is come and say, hey, Riskalyze, we love working with you. We want you to actually integrate with us. We have all of our data here, right? So we want you to come and get data from us to integrate in a way that we think works for us. And we'll handle the edge case. We'll handle our client experience. We'll handle the way we want it to work. But you just come and plug into our cloud and we will handle and control the experience from there. Uh, and they do that by having their own APIs, as you stated. So we give every single firm their own suite of APIs that can happen the next day on top of any of the data that we have in their cloud. 
And Kyle, I kind of broke my cardinal rule. I realized some of our listeners don't even know what we mean when we say API. Uh, yeah. So explain that for us. So API stands for Application Programming Interface. This is a way that all types of software talk to each other, right? So you're actually going to use that as a segue for me into something I'm really passionate about. And it's one of the problems we're trying to solve in this space. So outside of the fintech and wealth tech space, or mostly the wealth tech space, if you look at how products are built today, a lot of them are built on top of APIs. So this is a great example. The one I love to use is Uber. Almost everybody nowadays has taken an Uber ride before. When you open up that app and ask for an Uber, you cannot complete a ride without the driver calling or texting you, but that's not Uber that does that. That's a company called Twilio. And Uber is able to put their functionality in their app by using these APIs, these application programming interfaces, right? But you don't have to go from Uber into Twilio to make the call to the driver. You just push the call button from inside Uber and it works. You get your credit card charged. That's not Uber's functionality. Those are Stripe's APIs, or they were. They have a new vendor now. But you don't have to log out over into Stripe to pay the credit card. It just happens directly from Uber. You can't go somewhere without using navigation, right? That's not Uber's navigation. Those are Google Maps APIs that are happening inside the Uber application. So most modern products and software tools today are built by doing one thing really, really, really well. So in this case, our case is advisors delivering advice to clients. This is their unique value proposition. But then underneath that, they need performance reporting tools and financial planning tools, and they need risk analysis tools and all of these other things. We are trying to help turn all of those tools into things that work directly within those advisors' unique experience, and you don't have to log into them a whole bunch of times to go see a bunch of different stuff. So we want to help advisors be able to deliver technology in a modern way, the same way that all of these other great products are doing it. I love how our partner Judd describes it as kind of this faceless platform, this faceless platform that's connecting all these things up. Why do you want it to be faceless? Because you want the firm to be the face. Yes. The firm is the one driving that client experience. When somebody comes, they see Uber. They don't see Twilio. They don't see Stripe. They don't see all these other pieces, even though they're in the background. I think that's just such a powerful example. If it's done really, really well through this API integration structure, you don't even realize you're dealing with lots of companies at the same time. You feel like you're dealing with that one company. And that's what you're really trying to bring to the wealth management space. And right now that doesn't happen at all. A client goes and logs into their TD Ameritrade account or their Schwab account or whoever it may be. They may also go log into their Black Diamond or Orion portal. And the advisory firm has to pay an upcharge to those platforms if they want their own brand on the app instead of Orion's brand or Black Diamond's brand. At least it used to be. I don't know how they do it today. Yep. I love how you said it. it's the modern way of thinking about technology. And Kyle, you were telling me earlier about some big developments. This isn't crazy that you guys are thinking this is the future of the wealth management industry. In fact, some two really big players just had some major announcements this past week. 
They did, yeah. So Orion, who we've mentioned a couple times on this, just announced a couple of weeks ago a massive partnership they're doing with Amazon Web Services Redshift platform. We'll talk about that in a second, but also Investnet, a public company trying to go private right now, but a public company. They serve tons and tons of advisory firms. One of the biggest ones in our entire space announced the launch of the Investnet data platform. And what both of these companies are now doing is allowing people to get live looks into the data that they have. So if you're a large RIA, which is a registered investment advisor like Tommy's firm Vestia, and you want to be able to go get a live look into the data that Orion has on your behalf, you can do that now. If you want to go get a live look into what Investnet is doing, you can do that now. This is really exciting for a company like us because what MileMarker is trying to do is enable that exact thing, but for all of your technology, not just one of your partners like Orion or Investnet. But we're really excited to see two of the biggest names in the space creating tailwinds behind this trend. And I think when you see two big names like that do this type of project and announce this type of news, a lot of other people are going to want to start following, and that's going to lead to an explosion of innovation in the space. Well, what I love the most about it, you know, coming from that wealth management space, the most critical thing that we always wanted to control better was our client experience. Yes. And this is why you see this mass exodus in the industry of people leaving the wirehouses. They're going to these independent firms. We've talked about this on lots of episodes, whether you're working with a broker or an advisor that has a fiduciary responsibility to do what's best for the client. We see all these advisors leaving the big wirehouses so they can control their own destiny on their client experience. And then they get completely limited and boxed out by their technology vendor. And Kyle, I'll give you my personal example. 12 years ago, I sat down with lots and lots of clients on a client advisory board and said, what would the perfect financial statement or perfect financial report look like for your family? And we spent a lot of time and we designed the investment statement of the future. I can't take credit. I was just there to facilitate. It was the clients that really designed it. And it is awesome. It is Mm. so well done. And guess what? The first thing they want to see is not this quarter's rate of return. Number one thing they wanted to see first is, am I still on track for the big picture of my financial plan? And there's some people that are trying to show that now, but nobody's doing it still today in a really crisp, clear, concise manner that shows somebody, are you on track or are you starting to veer off track? And that's what we want to know at that point in time. And so what I hear you saying is, if you have all your data from all these providers in-house and you control it, you can go build whatever client experience you want on top of that data. Yes, we like to say at Mile Marker, it's your data, your rules. If you have all of that in your control, you can write the rules about what type of client experience you want to build, what type of advisor experience you want to build, what type of executive experience you want to build. You know, software's eating the world, Tommy. A lot of people have talked about that. But in a lot of ways, these big, successful advisory firms have not been able to allow themselves to almost become tech-enabled or software companies because they have not had control of their data. So we're just really passionate about giving that control, their innovation journey and destiny into to their hands. And we're passionate about that phrase of your data, your rules. 
I love that. And I like that you also added being able to see the company from the executive team's perspective. And you know, I've been all over the industry. I've seen so many companies out there, Kyle. I've only run into one company that I thought really, really had operations dashboarding done extremely well. Mm. It was extremely well done. I got to walk around the floor at Hightower. Mm. And as I was doing it, you can see right on the monitor at every workstation, they have monitors overhead and you can see in real time how their operations are doing for the day. And you know where people are off track, where people are on track, you know your first time right percentage, you know the advisor wait times. I mean, really anything you want to see to know, are we delivering the client experience to our advisors the way that we expect so that they can deliver the client experience to the end client the way that we expect. And it was just so well done. I haven't seen any other firm out there that's really been able to accomplish it to that degree, having that highly visual operations level dashboarding pushed out to the advisory teams. Well, and funny enough, I happen to know how much you know the team at Hightower has invested in creating the data, you know, products and layers to be able to deliver that type of dashboard. You know, the challenge, Tommy, for most of this space is that they don't have the budgets to invest like a Hightower can or an advisor group can or some of these other really big firms who've built these things. They would love to have this type of stuff, but it's always just been cost prohibitive. And I think for us here at MileMarker, we've been able to make this a possibility for a lot of firms, which is something we're excited about. So we can get your data right so that you can have the type of dashboard that Tommy was just talking about. And everybody should be able to run their business from a dashboard like that so that you can answer the strategic questions that are coming up every single day. You shouldn't be driving around with a foggy windshield and your business, you shouldn't be driving around without being able to answer the strategic questions for you. Your data, your rules. Your data, your rules. I think that's just phenomenal. And it. I think it's going to change the entire industry. It's going to flip it on its head because you're right. Everybody's living in the stone age of how their technology works. And once people understand that they can have reasonably affordable access to this type of client experience, everybody in the industry is going to want to drive it. I truly believe this is the most important work happening in the wealth tech space right now. So really neat to have a seat in the sidelines to watch where you head. Absolutely. Thanks, man. And I appreciate you calling that out. We think it's you know one of the most impactful things going on in the industry as well right now. And again, just to highlight, you know, by the news that's coming out, this is the time, right? It is time for large advisory firms to take advantage of this trend and for them to be able to take control of their innovation journey. So like I said, the large wealth management firms listening to this podcast, it is your data. It should be your rules and you should take control of it. Well, Kyle, we're going to move now into my most favorite part of the show where I get to ask you two questions. So the first question is the question everybody wants to know. And what it really is, is the question I want to (laughs) know. And so you talked about this moment where you were finding out that your coach who had brought you in to play baseball at Liberty University is now gone. And now the coach they've decided to hire is one that said you won't play for him. (laughs) How did that all transpire? Yeah. So 
Back in the day, I'm not that old, but back in the day, I was even skinnier, you know, younger dude than I was now. And people thought catchers needed to be big, bulky, lumbering guys. So even though I had all of the stats that people cared about to be a great catcher, and I had proven that I could be a great catcher, I didn't fit the mold of what they thought a great catcher should look like. So... You know, I literally had coaches at programs tell me you can have a batting average of 400. You'll never play in my program because I didn't fit the mold. And I've kind of taken that. I know you didn't quite ask this question, but I've kind of taken that. Of There's a lot of things in my life I maybe didn't fit the mold of that. I just want to go and continue to have success in those things because I believe in myself enough to know that I can be successful in things that I might not fit your mold for what I'm supposed to look like. Well, and what a great segue Into our most important question, I am sure we have some listeners out there that are leading really significant wealth management firms and they're hearing us talk about it's your data, you own it. And I'm sure they feel like the client experience they want to deliver just doesn't fit the mold. Mm. And so if they're out there listening saying, yes, that's what I've been feeling. The client experience I want to deliver just doesn't fit the mold of what these providers are offering. And they want to reach out to you at Mile Marker. What is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with us is to schedule a free data consultation so we can learn about what kind of technology you're currently using, how your firm currently works, what you want that client experience to look like. So we'll have a link in the show notes where you can reach out and schedule that direct data consultation with the team here at MileMarker. Awesome. We'll get that link for scheduling with MileMarker in the show notes. So go check it out. Or you can go online to milemarker.co, so milemarker.co, and you'll be able to connect with MileMarker there as well. And I'm telling you, if you're not controlling your client experience the way you want to, it's time to go solve that. This is a way you can actually do it. You don't have to go become your own coder. You don't have to hire some firm to rebuild everything. You're just going to take the data that's already out there working for you and put it to work in the way that you've always wanted it to be working for you. So Kyle, this has just been absolutely tremendous. I'm so thankful you were willing to join us here today. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of yours, huge fan of MileMarker. And we look forward to having you back sometime soon to give us an update on where things are headed. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Tommy. It was a real pleasure. And uh, I look forward to coming back. Well, listeners, again, we can't do this without you. You've made this show just absolutely incredible. So please continue to like it and share it. It means a lot. It helps other listeners continue to find us. And we really look forward to having you back next week right here on Beyond the Ordinary. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc.com.